0: Hello there, welcome back. I'm Pastor Lars Hammer from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Moran, Arizona. I wanna welcome you all back to the Walk Through the Psalms Bible Study. Today we're gonna look at Psalm 77. We're gonna look at verses 11 through 20. We're gonna pick up a little bit on where we left off last time. So we'll read through the Psalm and in the New Revised Standard Version, or we'll read through the portion of it. And then I'll share some background and some thoughts how I think it can be helpful for our lives and for our spiritual journeys. So let's get started here. And we'll read this out of the New Revised Standard Version. Here we go. Start, we're going to read uh, Psalm 77, 11 through 15. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Again, Selah is like refrain. It's either refrain, cut to the music, something like that. Um, It doesn't have a whole big meaning by itself. It's a musical cue. We believe the Psalms were set to music in some way in their ancient settings. Alright, so here we go. How does it begin? The psalmist is going to go back and think about what God has done. We're going to take a little bit through the past, and not necessarily the past in the individual psalmist's life, But in this case, in this particular Psalm, it's gonna be for the whole people, for all of God's people. And so it's gonna be a bigger, it's gonna be a little bit of a biblical journey. And um, uh, in this particular Psalm, it's gonna keep going on about the Exodus, and we're gonna start seeing that soon. But what does he do? I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord when I am in a place where God seems absent where is a good place to start to go back and remember the good deeds that God did remember what brought me here in the first place when you're in church and people are not being terribly Christian or there's a small group consumed with some sort of vendetta and you have to struggle with that and you think to yourself why am I doing this Uh, why am I a part of this community what am I wasting am I wasting my time on this it's always important to step back and say, okay, remember when it isn't going well, what God has done. What has God done? Because odds are it's because of what God has done that's why we're here in the first place. So he's gonna remember the, the deeds of the Lord, the wonders of old. Wow, that sounds kinda, that's a poetic thing, a little bit of a saying the same thing twice, right? Verse 12. I will meditate on your work and muse on your mighty deeds. This is kind of almost like, I'd almost say it's like relationship advice when you get into the middle of a fight and times have been difficult. It's always, you know, the money is short, the job isn't there. Uh, You know, you're stressed out over kids or some mundane things are starting to wear and grate on you in a chronic way it can be easy in those moments to forget where you came from, to forget how it started, to forget what it was all about, to, act, to forget why you're there in that moment. Because when you forget why you're there in that moment, it can get easy to start thinking that the answer is to cut and find something completely new. And there were plenty of God's people throughout all time who've said, who have forgotten the good deeds that God have done and have said, in this particular moment, I'm having a difficult time, I'm cutting my losses, and I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm out, right? I've forgotten what God has done, and I no longer have faith that that is a reality that can come back to me, so I'm gonna run. And I think we can do the same thing with each other, right? I've forgotten how it was in the beginning. I no longer have the faith that my marriage can be this way, that my relationship can be this way. And so I'm just going to cut completely and I'm gonna run. But one exercise to do before going would be to simply say, okay, let's sit down and meditate on the good things. Let's meditate on the good works. Let's remember the deeds. That were so great that brought me here in the first place. You may come to the conclusion when you make that list that there is no hope in the situation. For God's people there has always been hope in the situation even when things have been horribly horribly bad. But don't forget the times of old because odds are it will help to warm your heart and give you context and perspective. So that's what he's saying, meditate on your work and muse on your mighty deeds. In the Bible, people often turn to idolatry. Other gods, uh, Baal, this fertility god of the Canaanites, the other people who lived in uh, what's now Israel, where the Jewish people were. The Jews, the Canaanites kind of overlapped and they fought with each other and they lived in an uneasy and sometimes combative side-by-side relationship. But the worship of this fertility god called Baal was always a problem with the people up until uh, the Babylonians crushed them. So you, you had, you know, a thousand years or something of, of some version of people getting involved in this fertility worship in addition to worshiping the lord and one of the things that would pull them away to worshiping these idols and to falling into the trap is that they would forget what god had done in the first place they had forgotten how god had rescued them they'd forgotten when god had brought in rain they, they, they did stopped meditating on the past and God's wondrous works, and because they had forgotten what God had done, they lost faith that God could do it again and decided to hedge their bets and, and go with what might work, what seemed to promise more of an immediate reward. And Baal worship always promised, make the sacrifice, get the rain and the fertility. It was very transactional, but it always promised to be very quick, right? Whereas God always seems to be playing much more of a long game and so faith gets tested a lot not so much by bad things happening but by some other thing promising us an immediate gratification and an immediate solution to whatever we're going through so it's god's long game of yeah God did this great thing in the past and God will do something great in the future but right now it's bad but I'm gonna continue to tough it out I'm gonna continue to stay faithful I'm gonna continue to plow forward in the midst of all of this instead of cutting and taking the easy way out right I'm going to continue to work on my marriage rather than just walking out and taking off with some person I meet on the Internet right one offers a long haul sort of happiness that is deeper and more authentic but a lot more work and patience the other is just quick shallow instant gratification it's often instant gratification at war with a long game not necessarily struggles Struggles by themselves, we go through lots of struggles in life, and if we believe that whatever we're going through has an end point, if we believe that there's a time when it's going to come, stop, it's easier to go through. We can go through an amazing amount of stuff as people, if we believe that it will, that it can be better. Well, if we can't remember that it was good, we certainly won't believe that it could be better. So over and over in the Bible, the uh, God is telling the people, remember what I have done, and the prophets tell the people, remember what God has done. Okay, what has God done? Verse 13, your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? Mm, See, this is that religious competition issue, right? Think Baal worshipers, think whatever idols and whatever fly-by-night ideas coming by, offering quick and easy answers. Right? Those are the other gods, but the psalmist is saying, and I think challenging everyone who's listening, what God is as great? think about it let 's compare, not just in the moment, but in the long haul. What did Gilgamesh ever do for you? Well, even if you believed in Gilgamesh, he didn 't really do much for people, you know uh, that wasn't his thing, right Gilgamesh wasn 't a rescuer, he just was and um, so here we get a list you are the god who works wonders you have displayed your might among the peoples with your strong arm you redeemed your peoples the descendants of jacob and joseph so what what is this going on here what is he what's the psalm referencing Uh, this is the this is the old testament history and so what you're going to get in the next few chapters of Psalms, or the next chapter of Psalms, is this recitation of the history of the people of Israel and the whole, essentially, the history of the Bible all strung out in song form. Because remember, we often remember songs better than we remember just straight text. And... uh, that's why you're you know you learn to sing the alphabet and your social studies teacher tried to force you to have to listen to we didn't start the fire so that you could actually learn where the silhouette is Um, but this is what this is what God has done right so it starts out you redeemed your people the descendants of Jacob and Joseph with your strong arm so God's actions have been strong and powerful in contrast to the powerlessness that you feel right now. And yes, this is going to be a violent, you know, God's rescue is going to be pretty violent. And that's what we'll see in the Exodus story. So let's keep going. Let's go on to the next chunk here. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. This is verse uh, 16 through 20. The clouds poured out water, the skies thundered, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightnings lit up the world, the earth trembled and shook, your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Yet your footprints were unseen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So we've got all of creation from the very beginning of Genesis with the world being a formless void covered by deep waters. And how can it be a void filled with waters? Don't ask too many questions, right? It's not a literal story. But we're going all the way back to Genesis 1 and God creates rain. God creates the earth. God creates thunder, not Baal. Baal was the God of thunder, among other things. So that's often asserting that God creates thunder is trying to reassure the people that it's not just God who did this, but Baal does something else. No, the Lord God does all of it. Uh, And so then it goes all the way to what? The Exodus, God leading the people through the waters. So God divides the waters to make creation. God divides the waters again to bring people out of Egypt. So God's doing both, right? There's a pattern here. The psalmist wants you to see this pattern, that God has power and authority over the waters, but God has already, over the course of a long, long period of time, continued to provide us with the rain and the waters and the things that we need. So you get this kind of image, right? The waters, when they saw you, they were afraid. Again, the ancient Jewish people were not seafaring people. They didn't live far from the coast, but they didn't really engage with it much at all. And they were always kind of suspicious of people who did too much sea trading. And they tended to think that the sea was kind of a dark and scary place. And so they contrast God's power with the sort of dark, scary power of the sea. Uh, and then we get, you know, again from Genesis, the clouds poured out water, the skies thundered, you know, that in Genesis, God separates the waters below from the waters above. And then when God wants it to rain, opens the window and the water pours out. Right. And that's accompanied by crash, thunder in the whirlwind, lightnings, you know, everything trembling. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Huge display of power. Your way, your way was through the sea, your path through the waters, yet your footprints were unseen. is that interesting? God doesn't leave footprints. God moves the waters without footprints. God doesn't sink in the sand. God doesn't leave an impression. He is both powerful and light-footed. What an interesting image. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's bringing the people out of Egypt. Remember, that's what God has done. And of all the stories in the Bible that people are told, particularly in the Old Testament, to remember, it's that story of the Exodus. Remember what God did for the people of Israel in the Exodus. He led them out by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So there we go. Uh, There we go. Uh, So that's what I got on Psalm 77. Remember what God has done. When times are dark, when they feel overwhelming, remember what God has done, because that will remind you of what God can do and what God will do in the future. All right, I hope that's been helpful to you. As always, feel free to leave a comment. Uh, send me a message if you have more questions. I hope it's been helpful for your own prayer life and your spiritual life. And I'll see you next week with more Psalm Bible studies. God bless.